internet? You're tuned into episode 110 of the Potscast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. And joining us today, the emissary from Haken, the Animal Crossing expert, Mr. Chewy Plays. What's going on, brother? Hey, how's it going? I'm Welcome doing Welcome back well. to the How show, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's been quite some time. Um, I'm excited because we have you on today uh, for a few things. It's a perfect week. There happens to be an Animal Crossing update that you can talk about. <laughs> Serendipitous. <laughs> the real reason we have you here is, of course, uh, for our main topic this week, we are talking about a little challenge that Chewie himself came up with that we are calling affectionately Ring Fit February, uh, where the three of us are going to play Ring Fit for a month. We are going to get swole. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in the main topic. We're gonna establish some ground rules, tell you guys how you can keep up with it and everything. But before we get into all that, we've got a jam-packed show, some awesome news about Sega, about Platinum, uh, about some games we've been playing this week. So uh, you know, without further ado, let me just get into the plugs real quick, and then we can get into the show. So, uh, of course, we are the podcast. We are LootPots.com's weekly Nintendo and gaming podcast. Uh, we are everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, and, of course, most recently, over on YouTube, where we do need your support. Head over there and give us a subscribe. Like the video, share it with a friend. All that fun stuff. You know how to YouTube. Help us get those numbers up. Uh, of course, if you want to get some more content from us, you can head pretty much wherever you get your gaming content. We're there doing something for you. Uh, most notably over on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash loopots, where every Thursday, uh, Steve and I, or one of us, is there streaming something uh, with the community. And uh, we've been getting some extra ones in lately, actually. So if you're listening to this on Monday, we've got some great VODs this week. Uh, we played a little Sea of Thieves on Saturday uh, with Danny, another one of the team and a member of the community, Doc, one of our patron supporters. Um, it was buck wild. Uh, it was well worth your time. And then, of course, on Thursday, we streamed the beginning of Steve's uh, Ocarina of Time playthrough, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, and we'll be picking that up again this week. So you're going to want to come be a part of it. It's been a great time. We've been doing some great content over there. Uh, we are trying to figure out how we can offer these things uh, permanently on VOD. Uh, so we'll, we'll have an update for you there soon enough. I promise. And then last but not least, of course, uh, you know, you go ahead over to the Patreon uh, give us a buck. You can get access to After Dark, uh, where we are going to talk about the GameStop stock story this week. Of course, one of the biggest stories in games that has nothing to do with games. So not appropriate for this show. If you want to hear the conversation, hey, for just a buck, if you went and made some money on those stocks, you could get 70 episodes of uh, After Dark for just a dollar. Check it out. Well worth your, your, your time and your money, I think, there. Uh, all right. So that's enough shilling for now. Let's hop into what we've been playing this week. Chewy, you're our guest. Why don't you start? All right, yeah, I've been playing a few things. Um, like usual, Animal Crossing. What? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a daily thing for me right now. Um, basically, I play Animal Crossing like people probably shouldn't play Animal Crossing. Uh, I'm trying to complete it, <laughs> which involves a lot of catching bugs and fish, like way beyond that any anybody ever needs to. Um, but yeah, I guess I've been spending more time on some different games. I, it's 2021, and I bought a 3DS game just this past week. What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> WarioWare Gold. <laughs> played, uh, played through the main story on that. And I think most of it comes from like me just wanting 
a WarioWare on Switch and wanting kind of some of these wacky games that aren't quite on there. Your Rhythm Heavens, your WarioWares, your I'm probably going to get Tomodachi Life after this, (laughs) after I'm done with this one. But just like all those strange games that I, I feel like we haven't really gotten on Switch. There are some weird ones, but not quite like some Nintendo published weird you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that, but now that you kind of pointed out, um, I I guess it almost feels weird to say that it feels like Nintendo has been playing it safe, but it feels like they've been playing it (laughs) safe almost by like going more traditional rather than like some of the wacky zany stuff that I feel like we have kind of come to expect from them over the last couple generations. Mm -hmm. Like ring fit is probably like the weirdest thing on switch. Oh, yeah. then uh, Labo yeah. was pretty strange. Labo's weird, too. All right, yeah. That, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Labo. The Mario Kart uh, live oh, thing. Oh, sure. cool. But even um, those, like, those are, like, they. I feel like those fall into the category of, like, they're weird for a video game company, but not weird for Nintendo because Nintendo makes toys, and they're just yeah. toys, Yeah. you know? Whereas, like... I remember in, like, 2006 or 7 or 8 or whatever it was, like, when Wii Fit came out, it was, like damn, Nintendo is like, they're on a whole other level. They're playing 4D chess yeah. while everyone they were, else they were is playing checkers. <laughs> they were meant to do that fingerprint, uh, not the fingerprint, the finger heart rate thing as well, weren't they? That never came out for the Wii at some point. Oh, yeah. It yeah. works on Switch? It, you, the, it, well, yeah, that is so, it, yeah. It quote-unquote works on Switch. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, if it's, if it's at all it accurate, it's telling me I'm having like a very rigorous workout when I know I'm not. <laughs> you feel like you are. Right? You're probably having a heart attack right now. So you should that get that checked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm already in the throes yeah. of a heart attack. So uh, there, there was a, a little bit of news on the Animal Crossing front um, this past week. Of course, there was the uh, the, the most recent update video, um, which has a festival coming in February. What do you think about that, Joey? I think it's hilarious to see how it all plays out online. Um, I'm, you know, I follow this stuff pretty closely. I made my predictions video. I wasn't expecting much from this update just because to me, the big update's probably going to happen like around March when we hit that one year anniversary, maybe right after that. But basically we're hitting the last of the year, the first year of this Mm -hmm. game, right? So for me, I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, it's probably just gonna be an event thing. People are pretty furious online about that, like just being, this is just the event, we've got a couple small items for you. And I'm like, all right, so this is what I expected. Other people expected a lot more, like the return of Brewster, that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, relatively small update compared to the previous ones. We've just got basically an event that's coming up on February 15th. It's called Festival. It is run by Pave, who is this vigorously dancing (laughs) peacock of a man. (laughs) I love him. Um, (laughs) And yeah, pretty much we're going to be able to buy some stuff in Nook's Cranny, I think there's going to be a bunch of new, I guess, basically furniture, that sort of thing. Um, it looks it looks cool. I think some people can do some really cool things with it on, like, jungle-themed islands and that sort of thing. Yeah. But there's some cool stuff. Um, and then 
outside of that, there are going to be little reactions that we can get, some dancing reactions, which makes sense because of Pave, the way he dances. He just gyrates. I love the that night he's going to teach you to dance. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It should be cool. Um, and then they made a few items that you can order via the Nook Shopping app, which are going to be like Valentine's Day themed. There's a Groundhog Day Rossetti sculpture right now. Oh, really cute. I need that. <laughs> it's a cute one. Um, they give us the little bean tossing box. They're just like, I guess in Japan during, I think, Setsubun, you get some beans to throw around town and everything. So. Those will be there. And then there's some references to the Super Bowl. We've got a football, an American football rug. And I guess a little megaphone thing. It doesn't work like the 3DS's uh, New Leaf megaphone worked. There's no mic on the Switch, so I don't think that's ever going to do it. But you do this really wild motion where you're just like waving your arms and screaming <laughs> when you use it it's pretty hilarious that's great. um yeah and then there there are some valentine's day items coming to a chocolate box and like a rose i guess uh, what do you call that i don't know a rose oh, uh, like setup a thing that looks like a heart i don't know it's a, it's a small thing yeah 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 a bouquet i know what those are <laughs> <laughs> Um, You're a married man, you better. Yeah, outside of that, I don't think there's... I know, I know. And Valentine's Day is coming up, so... <laughs> um, yeah, outside of that, there's really not too much with it. Uh, the event is time-locked once again, which, <laughs> to the bane of time travelers' existence, it keeps happening. Uh, pretty much every event that gets added to the game, they just lock it till, I don't know, a couple days before, maybe the day before in Japan, and that's when it goes live for everybody. That's what you get for trying to cheat. Play a fair, man. Yeah. I know. Cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> you want to cheat, go play an old Animal Crossing, okay? This is the new era. <laughs> yeah. On that subject, do you consider but, time yeah, traveling I mean, cheating, Chewie? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, at this point, I don't. Um, I've played the game so long that there's a lot of stuff that I hardly care about anymore <laughs> and other things okay. where I'm just like, yeah, I care about that. Me personally, I play Animal Crossing because it's like kind of relaxing. I like it to be part of my kind of daily routine and everything. So I don't really time travel, but I also don't feel the need to like other people. Mm. Um, some people really like to just like take it all in all at once, you know, on their terms and everything. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's how most games work. Like, you can just do whatever you want when you're playing it. So the real-time clock is a real hindrance to their experience. Um, whereas for me, like, I like to just kind of have it ingrained in my lifestyle, essentially, where sure. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, all right, let's check into Animal Crossing, get my day going. Yeah. It's, it's just a nice way for me to start the day. See, for me, I find the time I want to play Animal Crossing is usually the time when the shops are just about to close or have all closed at that point. And I'm just like, ugh, what's mm -hmm. the point of me even booting this up? Because I won't be able to do anything. I guess I could go around the island and pick up some weeds or stuff. But there's not a lot else I can mm -hmm. do because I'm, I'm wanting to play it in the evening just before I go to bed. Uh, so I've considered yeah. time traveling and I missed out on like my birthday stuff because I totally forgot to, to log Same. on in December. So oh, yeah, was, yeah. there's a bunch of things I kind of want to time travel for. Um, but I, I was in the, in the view that I like Pete 
I considered it cheating and didn't want to do it to kind of feel like I spoil the way Animal Crossing is meant to be played. But I'm getting to a point where I'm mm-hmm. just like, I kind of want to get back into Animal Crossing. I kind of want to do all this stuff. Or the other thing I've considered is just completely like nuking my island and starting from scratch and just doing that again. But I don't want to go through yeah. that first week of having absolutely nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I would, I would absolutely, if I did that, reset my island, um, start and like time travel each day so I could pick up all the things and just get through that first island uh, for that first week. I think the thing, and, and I'm like being facetious. I don't really care if you time travel. I, yeah, I like however people want to play video games. <laughs> it's like video games are meant to be fun, right? Like however you play them, mm-hmm. whatever you gets you joy out of them is that's your prerogative. Um, I, the thing I, I've like bummed myself out about it. Cause I feel like I've missed a bunch of the stuff I was really looking forward to. Like I was like, Oh, I love summer and animal crossing. And that was kind of where I stopped playing. And then it was like, Oh, I love the fall. And I started playing again in Halloween. And then I got distracted by a new game and I fell off. And then like, I missed Christmas. <laughs> I missed my birthday. Like, ah, these are the things that I want to do, you know? And now it's like, I got to yeah, wait yeah. for a whole other year and like do it again, you know? <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I do want to try to get back into it this year. Um, I do miss playing it. I think about playing it a lot. Um, and it's funny yeah. because, Chewy, like um, like you said earlier, my uh, my fiance Sarah, has been um, – she plays every month just so that she can, like, catch all the bugs and get all the fish. And she, like, has completed all of the fish, and she has one bug – or no, the reverse. She's caught all the bugs, and she needs one fish from March, uh, and then she'll have uh. completed it. So she's been playing for, like – a day or two every month and I'm always like, oh yeah, I really want to get back to this and then I just don't. I miss my window. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're waiting for the same month then because March, I think there's a couple of diving creatures that haven't right. been in the Northern Hemisphere quite yet. So I'm waiting for that date to complete that part of the museum and everything. Yeah, that's it's. I think she's in the same boat. She might be missing, I think like one or two regular fish and then whatever the diving creatures were. Because I don't think mm-hmm. she was, like, aggressively fishing when she first started playing in March. Um, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the time travel thing, a lot of people were really worried that it was going to be taken out with this game. And I was just like, no, because, like, the real-time clock can really hinder people's experiences with it. Like, like you were saying, Steve, like, you can't play – you can't really have the right – fun if the shops are all closed and uh, every time you get to log in and everything so i always told people no you got to be able to like set your clock like some people would set theirs back sometimes so when i thought about doing that so work, that it was like six hours earlier so that when i yeah, started yeah. playing at five it's really noon you know and like imagine if you work mm-hmm. night shifts yeah. you get back and from from your shift or work and you would be able to do absolutely nothing mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so there has to be like option. a way around <laughs> those shops being closed and i was like the only way i think they would take out time travel is if they made the shops like 24 7 if they really got be nice it it would be nice yeah (laughs) but i I don't know i think at that point it's like do you need a real-time clock for this game should you just save and go to the next day is that how it's gonna work um it's kind of how it worked in happy home designer I, I think I, I still like the real-time clock. Like, I like that the world, like, changes and ebbs and flows as you're playing. And that there's, like, different – there's a different song for every hour. Like, I like those elements of it. But I do mm. find it frustrating mm-hmm. when I want to play before bed and I, I just can't. Like, I can't go and do the chores or whatever. Like, you know, I remember 
especially in the early parts of the game when like I was waiting for the shop to get open and all that kind of stuff. It would be like, okay, I guess I'll play for a few hours before bed and I'll just stack everything up outside nooks cranny so the next oh day God, i can yeah. sell it all like that moment when know. the museum's not quite ready and you wake you wake up the next day yeah. thinking the museum's gonna be there and it's not done and you're just like you've got all of these crates of fish and bugs outside of the museum ready to go <laughs> in and you're like what the hell and, and it's like i like i i definitely understand like wanting to put con- some constraints on the way that people play but i do think that's something that um, if there's anything that I think Animal Crossing could improve on moving forward, it would be quality of life changes. It would be like allowing me to sell a stack or buy a stack of items, right? Or not sell. You can sell stacks. But like when you buy the candy <laughs> or not candy, what's the thing I'm thinking of where you could buy? When you buy like anything, I know what you're talking like about. Bait. Like there's just no option to buy multiples of things. There's like one or you five. Buy one or five. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what if I need fifty? Yeah. And just like <laughs> things like that. And I feel like the the shop is similar. And I'd even be fine if it was like that's the last upgrade for the shop. Right? Like you know, <laughs> I don't correct me if I'm wrong, Chewy, right? I don't think we have another upgrade to the shop available. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which there's is a weird basically, Yeah, yeah. It, it's weird because previous games, you know, that was a huge focus, just growing bigger and bigger and having more and more stuff you can buy from the shop. And like all the way back to the one, original. Yeah, yeah, you can go all the way to Nookington's. I guess they've is, kind of replaced that with with the shopping app, though, somewhat. Like, you've got the ability to get different things on the shopping app yeah. than you can in the shop. Yeah. But I feel like... I'd say, I feel like that would be the thing I would love to see, though, would be, like, letting you do the progression, and then when you do, like, kind of get the final upgrade, it's 24 hours a day, right? And, like... I gotcha. There's, like, an... And, like, maybe, like, they introduce, like, a, a third nook. It's, ah, oh, it's their cousin, and he comes and works it overnight or whatever, right? Like, something like that, so that Tommy and Timmy don't have to literally be there 24 hours a day. Um, but it no, would be see, nice. I think Tommy and Timmy being there 24 hours a day works into the story that, that uh, Tom Nook just doesn't care about them that and just, just gets them to do whatever <laughs> hell he wants. That goes against the lore, okay? He gave these nice <laughs> orphan boys a chance, okay? Yeah. Funny enough, I think there's actually two... There's a couple reasons to me that there isn't another upgrade to the shop. One is that crafting kind of took half of the items out of that inventory um which you know it comes with its benefits like previous games you really had to wait every day to get new items and like once the stock was out like that's it you can't buy anything else you can't get anything else to decorate now you have crafting which is like immediate uh, like satisfaction right there like you always have the ability to get something Uh, and so half of the inventory is like caught up in that and then the other half like there just kind of aren't enough items to expand the shop like yeah yeah there it might expand but you're still gonna see all the same things that you're seeing i really hope that like the year two update that you're talking about adds a lot more furniture and a lot more items i think that would really be something that people would appreciate um you know what you you just reminded me of i haven't thought about in ages do you remember the catalog in the original game where you could like go to nook's cranny and like put in the number and it would give you an item. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I think it was Nintendo Power. There was like an issue where it was like they had like three pages 
where it was just all of the fucking codes <laughs> for all the rarest items. And I was just like, oh, my God. And I remember, like, I got all of the, like, primo rare, uh, like, Nintendo, like, the Master Sword and, like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, all the NES things. And I had them all in, the, in my basement and stuff. Like, oh, my God. So funny. Yeah, yeah. They had all the good stuff. They had one that gave you, like, 30,000 bells as well. Oh, and yeah. You could do yeah. it, like, three times a day. Oh, so good. So... I use that one recently to just like fast forward my day and my way through the first game. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. But uh all right, yeah, so that's what Chewie's been playing. <laughs> oh, I've got one more. Oh, what else I've got, got one more thing that I've been playing. Um an actual Switch game. I've been making my way through Age of Calamity, Hyrule Warriors. Oh, cool. What do you think? I I really like it, you know. I have always been like I'm zero interest in these warrior style games. Yeah. I've seen Hyrule Warriors, the first one, Fire Emblem Warriors, both franchises that I love dearly, but I was just like, I don't really want to play this at all. And then as soon as they showed Age of Calamity and just like backstory to Breath of the Wild and everything, I was like, all right, you got me. I'm in. <laughs> so has that been enough uh, to kind of like, thread it for you where like you're excited enough about the story that it's kind of gotten you into the loop of it yeah it's kind of fun like you can tell nintendo worked closely with them like all the cutscenes are really good quality Mm -hmm. and everything so i don't know I, i really appreciate that especially based on like breath of the wild had a hard time telling a story because there's like really nobody around to tell it like, you just have basically what Link can remember and everything. So getting kind of more of a firsthand account on some things. Like, you watch some things play out, and you're like, oh, man, that's pretty cool. I mean, so much cool of it is to optional, it. too, right? Like, you could easily play all of that game, do a ton of side content, and beat it, and not have seen any of the cutscenes. Because they're all um, random things you need to go scan for the most part. I think you can skip them, but I think like the main like missions tend to have the the story. Sure, yeah, yeah. But there's on. like what like aren't there like fourteen overall? Like I feel like there's like ten or so that are like optional, like with the um, background with I the think champions so. and everything. Yeah, yeah. There are kind of some bigger missions that you can do on the side that don't really. Uh, I guess you don't really need to touch them if you don't want to. Um, but yeah, the story definitely shifts around chapter five, where it's just like, oh, okay, this is all really kind of unexpected stuff here. Um, I think they take they they definitely take some liberties with like what the timeline that played out in Breath of the Wild, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, which is fun. I don't know. I feel like. I was satisfied with like, oh, here's kind of what happened that got us to Breath of the Wild, and now here's all of this wild stuff that you don't even uh, i don't know i just didn't expect it so i'm excited about it (laughs) yeah yeah that's cool it just seemed like yeah it's a timeline that's just different than what would have happened originally okay okay that's cool (laughs) yeah yeah that one it it interested me but i just could not like get myself to to jump in like i remember we we streamed the demo and i was like this is pretty fun like I, i i definitely got the appeal but um, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I just don't. I don't care enough about the Breath of the Wild story to like want to go through it. Just because like the story wasn't really what made me fall in love with Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Whereas somehow. like mm-hmm. with Persona uh, Strikers coming next month, like I'm very excited for that because I was so about the story of Persona. So 
I I'm interested to see how I feel about it because I really don't like Musos uh, like you, Julian. They <laughs> never really appealed to me. I mean, like, I liked the Dynasty Warriors games fine, like back on the PS2 when I was like, you know, nine or ten or whatever. Like it was like, oh yeah, this is fun. You feel powerful, and the cutscenes were cool, and cutscenes were novel then, you know. And it was like, wow, mm-hmm. this voice acting, you know, probably sucks by today's <laughs> standards. But I remember being impressed by them then, and then it, I hit a point. In that like 360 era, where I'm like they're just doing the same thing over and over again. I'm kind of done with yeah. this. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think that does help a lot. Like you know, they have a lot of the same voice actors for all the characters and right. everything, and so it it feels like it, it is an extension of that game. It really for does sure. feel like Breath of the Wild. Like the tone mm-hmm. of it, like the the menu music and sound effects, and like <laughs> they nail all those little details really well. That was the thing that impressed me the most was how much it like truly captured the vibe of breath of the wild you know yeah yeah the map is like it just feels like it matches and everything yeah. um well, cool, but man. yeah I, I after this one i'm like i don't know if i'll play another one maybe if they do something as interesting if they do an animal crossing one that'll be what gets me in <laughs> yeah it, basically you know gonna everyone you finally rises up against tom <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, like it's uh, they they really really dig into the the Tom Nook backstory that they established in Wild World, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah, uh, that's that's it for me. That's yeah. what I've been playing. Pretty full week. Pretty full week. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Steve, you've been playing uh, a, a little a little game. Some people might have heard of. Called Ocarina of Time. You have started it. You have you have gotten the farthest you've ever gotten in a game you once famously described as brown and boring. And now yeah. here we are. You've completed the Great Deku Tree. You've beaten your first boss. You got your first heart container. How do you feel? Yeah. I I I feel like I let the chat down. Everyone was angry at me at certain points for, for not not doing the right thing we weren't angry at you for not doing the right thing we were you, angry you, at you were for shouting not at me yeah you you <laughs> yeah. were shouting at me for jumping off that ledge and i was not happy <laughs> if, well if, if anybody remembers in the great deco tree there's that part where you get you go down through the web and you got to go up and through the maze and come out the other side and push the stone down Steve gets out there, and I'm like, okay, Steve, before you do anything, make sure you push that stone down. And he just immediately goes and leaps into the water. <laughs> and he had to go do it all over again. I didn't and see was, the stone. And, the, and it was the, just so funny because we were like, no, no, no. And you're just like, what? Oh, no, I was in the same room again. Just classic. Absolutely classic. <laughs> but I, the worst bit was getting through that initial spider's web. I don't know how I managed to miss it three or four times. I've so. never ever seen somebody make that mistake multiple times. It was times. really bad. <laughs> I really did not do a good job. Uh, the controls, I cannot. That's the worst part for me is the aiming. The fact that it's forced Y axis and there's no way to change it. So like you go well, open up the <laughs> the slingshot and I'm like freaking out because I'm pushing up and it's going down and I have no idea what the hell's and going like, on. Y- you want the second stick to control yes, the camera, but it's and it the does C nothing. Buttons. It just brings items. <laughs> so up like and I'm like, what? <laughs> you gotta keep pressing R to like or uh, R, but it's Z on the the. Yeah. You know. I feel like maybe I should. In, like invest in an N64 like USB controller to try yeah. and combat that and maybe it'll feel more natural. I think you should. I think I, like we're going to do the whole thing. You might as well do it, right? Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like my hands are on this 
Xbox One controller that I'm used to playing like modern games with twin sticks moving forwards, controlling the camera with the second stick. And obviously the N64 only had one stick, so they did what they could with that. But it's so alien to me. Um, but yeah, the aiming was a pain. Um, but I, I can see the appeal of the game so far. I mean, I mean it feels like a Zelda game. I think the most amazing part of it. So actually here, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pull this. This question comes from uh, that doc. I, one of our Patreon supporters, Steve, what are your thoughts on Ocarina of Time? Do you think you'll keep playing it or is it not for you? That was the thing I found most interesting about, about this playthrough. So, uh, we, we talked about it prior to going live, right? Like Steve is committed to playing the game. We're going to play the whole game, um, over the course of this year. We'll probably take some breaks here and there, but we're going to, we're going to complete it on Twitch. Um, but the thing that I thought was so interesting was when we got to the end, uh, Steve was like, you know, I kind of want to keep playing. Like, I want to just keep going off camera. And I was like, well, that's how you know you like the game. You've gotten it. You get the loop now. <laughs> yeah. And and I like this style of game because I really liked Wind Waker. But this game just always felt too old when I went back to it. And partially because of those controls. Like, oh, we mentioned when I played the 3D All-Stars that I couldn't play Mario 64 because the controls just, for me, felt too ancient. Like, yeah. They They're just dating. they yeah they they feel really dated. Where Sunshine, when they added the twin stick in, I can move around and I, it feels totally natural. And they even like properly like in Sunshine, it was initially inverted Y axis. They flipped that in 3D All Stars, and they've now added an option in. Like if I could somehow play Ocarina of Time with like modern camera controls or a I bet you we can y axis. It. I bet I bet you I there's bet somebody you who's fixed yeah. this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I bet you I'll figure I'm sure I'll, I'll be able to figure it out. Um I'm, that might be something I have to do um cuz the it's but I know you I also need to get used to the the Z targeting cuz I know you said that that's the main way I should be aiming that's at people. That's like yeah, like that's like the key to combat in that game. If you're not using the Z targeting, like you're gonna, you're going to have a hard time aiming at stuff, you know? Like I'm trying to remember how it played on GameCube. I think my brother has our copy that was like the, I have that the copy on the Pro version of GameCube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was the Ocarina of Time and Master Quest, you know, games on there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I guess you you kind of had the C stick at that point, which feels a little bit more natural. And I think that's- I want to I want to say it was a little better on there i think that's basically like it's similar to the setup that steve has where it's like he's the second stick he's using is essentially operating as the c stick where it's just the buttons and like it definitely feels better doing it that way than with an n64 controller but i also totally get what he means in terms of like you have this expectation and this muscle memory of like moving the the right stick moves the camera and you just can't do it and it, it, it's weird. It definitely, it takes getting used to. Like, when I picked up mm-hmm. Mario 64 last year, that was the first thing I had to, like, get my head around again. Was like, all right, yeah. I have to move the camera. I 100%ed that game. <laughs> what was that? I 100%ed that game on the Switch. <laughs> You're a fucking animal. Was that the and first I time? you, Chewie. Um, I don't think I ever did it as a kid. I think I got close on the N64, but never quite did it. And so I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm here. Might as well, right? <laughs> there are some animal. terrible levels in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the fucking clock tower is such a bitch. Oh, with that, that was camera. The it's so annoying. I think that was one of the last stars I got. I, I think the hundred coin there and Rainbow Road were the last two things I did, 
And oh my honestly, my first run through, I, I think I have a picture, like a screenshot of when I beat the game at like, what is it? 60, 70 stars, I think. Um, I forget. It was very obvious that I skipped levels. I was just like, here are all the levels that I like, and here are all the ones that I don't. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, obviously, we're going to keep our Ocarina time of time playthrough rolling, so uh, keep tuned over on Twitch for that. Like I said, we're going to find out a place for the VOD. I've got it saved and, and edited and everything, so uh, we'll, yeah. we'll keep you posted on where you can keep up with that. Yeah, watching that again, though, it is a pretty brown game. Not a lot of really brown. <laughs> All right, listen. The forest is brown. When we get to Hyrule Field, which Steve has probably never even seen, because I found out he never got past the Deku Tree. He never even yeah. found the sword. So he hasn't even seen the parts of the game that aren't brown. Uh, oh yeah, and the, the, the bit with the sword where you like go left, and then a, a boulder is coming right towards me. I was like, "Thanks, Pete." Got smushed by the boulder. Run away! Oh yeah, how do I turn? Like, what's the he camera? Was panicking, and I was no, like, "Go left, go left." <laughs> nobody was Not- telling me the controls. I had no idea what I was doing. And then I was talking to the fairy, and I was getting told off. You were like, "Don't listen to that. Stop reading the signs." Everyone was ha- like piling on, having to get me. And Zade giving me conflicting information to you in the chat. It was like, well, it was. It was intense. funny because you were you were complaining about the the text scroll speed, and I was like, "Then stop." talking to people that's why i'm here i'm coaching you i'm gonna tell you what you gotta do because i've beaten the game before the fucked up thing though is right now in the game like the opening hours of the game i've played so many times right like i know oh you go here for the sword you go here you do this i remember the deku tree like back of my hand uh when we get to like the actual dungeons that's where it's gonna get interesting because there's you're telling me this wasn't an actual dungeon so that- there, are, there are, there are three dungeons that you do as a child, and they're easy. It's that, the well, Deku that was Tree. Easy. It took me like an hour and a half, and it was really easy. Get ready for the real shit later. <laughs> so there's that one, which is the tutorial. There's um, uh, the the mountain. Um, it's not the Mount Goron. Doom. Yeah, the Mount Goron Doom. mountain. Yeah, I can't yeah. think. Yeah, whatever. Um, and you go in Dodongo's. Dodongo's cavern. That's it. And mm. then um, there's also uh, Jabu Jabu's stomach. And then after that, you grow up, and then there's the seven elemental ones. So there's the water temple, the earth temple, fire temple, all this stuff. Um, those are hard, and I don't remember all the puzzles for those. Because uh, some of them I've only done, like, twice or three times, you know? Um, whereas, like, some of them I've done probably ten times and then abandoned the playthrough. Someone uh, in some the chat is It's just know. as hard to get to them. As it is to play in the, <laughs> yeah, um, like the water and shadow temples are gonna be a bitch. Like I'm gonna pull up. I have my original fucking Prima strategy guide upstairs. <laughs> I'm gonna pull downstairs and be like, okay, I'm gonna we're gonna walk through this because, like, the water temple, you can make a mistake that can fucking end the game if you if you do it wrong. So. <laughs> We're we'll use save that. states. Don't worry. I'm not making that mistake again. True, We're going to use save states. If if something ends the game abruptly, then I'll just I'll load it back in. Perfect. Uh, so then, like I said, we also both played some Sea of Thieves. That was a blast. We had a great time with it. Go check out the stream. Um, it's, it's still up on Twitch right now. Uh, I love Sea of Thieves. It is a game that is only fun in my mind to play with other people, but that's what it's about. So... Um, I just yeah. like playing the music. The music oh. was so cool. 
I love that feature. I love the the fact that there's like all these instruments programmed. Yeah, and you, they harm they auto harmonize, and you can just like jam. <laughs> I wish music was that easy in real life because then I would get into it. You know, just like pick sure. something up, you just strum away, and it's like automatically playing the tune out. Once you learn how to play, it's that easy. <laughs> I don't. I, uh, yeah, but that's the thing. I can't get to that stage where I. I you just have, have to practice to for years and years and years and be really bad for a long time. That's true. So you started. I as think a kid. it took. I think I played guitar seven or eight years before my mom was like, "I think you're finally getting the hang of this." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck, damn, mom. <laughs> so like all those years, she told critic. you you were great. She was actually lying, and then now, finally, six or seven years later, she's like, "Actually, yeah, you are good now." Yeah, I mean, it was a while. <laughs> I was I was in a band for at least two years before I was actually good at the drums. So, wow. you know, you got to just you got to just put yourself out there, man. Uh, so aside from Sea of Thieves, I have one other game to talk about, um, which normally we would have started with because it's like a brand new hot game. But it's been it's a weird week. So uh, I, I have played a bit of Cyber Shadow. Uh, so Cyber Shadow, you'll remember, is uh, the first non Yacht Club developed Yacht Club published game. Um, you play, you know, uh cybernetic ninja it's like a near future kind of thing you know like a little bit of a blade runner kind of vibe it's this very like dreary futuristic world you know and like robots have toppled the city it's you know it's a very predictable kind of setup i'm sorry is that a dystopian future yeah yeah it's and it's like you're i don't totally get the story but i think what's happening is that i am like a, a ninja who died and then they put my soul or whatever in this machine body. I think that's what's happening. And like I, my clan's all been dead and I'm trying to like save our leader and fucking overthrow this scientist who fucked up the city and whatever. Story's not really what's important. Gameplay wise, this game is tight as fuck and it's so hard and I'm really into it. Um, there are things about it that rub me the wrong way. Um, some of which I think are just like choices that they made that I don't totally vibe with. And some of them are things I would actually criticize them for. But, um, by and large, I really like the way that the game feels. Uh, it's, it's tight and it really, it's, it's interesting because I think going into it, I, I had a certain expectation. I think that it was going to, um, I don't know, be somewhat like Shovel Knight in terms of being like maybe momentum based. And it's it's really not like it's a game that asks you often to like stop and look at what's happening and like plan your path, you know, and like think a little bit more about what's going to come next. Um, But one of the things I think is interesting, like that it does is it'll do a lot of very, very slight modifications of things that are familiar like a boss, you know how like in any game like this, bosses all have patterns, right? And the whole thing is learning the pattern. Um, I've gotten in fights where I'm like, okay, I understand the pattern now. And then he'll do the pattern in a different order and throw me off all of a sudden. It's like, oh my God. Like, And it's clearly just trying to trick you and fuck with you, but it never feels cheap. It's just like, oh, okay. I, I won't say never. There have been one or two times where I felt like uh, <laughs> the way that things dropped felt unfair and I was like annoyed by the run. But it's few and far between. Um, is it I random on the drops, or do you think they're like set programmed? 
I think they're so set, the but there's a bit of variance. Like one of the things I've run into, there's this boss um, that I'm fighting right now. I was fighting the last time I played, um, which is uh, the Mecha Dragon, uh, who Zade specifically reached out to tell me, like, holy shit, this guy's hard as fuck. Um, and the way that the, the battle works is, right, it's this dragon and you're in, you're in water. And there's this uh, enemy that you've encountered earlier that is kind of like a drone that will, like, just sit above you. And if you're underneath it, it shoots a bullet down at you. But if you hit it above water, it lands in the water and becomes a platform. So what you basically need to be doing is hitting these things, making sure you have platforms to stand on to keep fighting the dragon while you're trying to get hits in, right? So that's kind of the rhythm of, of the battle. Um, and where the randomization element comes in is that the the enemies don't spawn and fall in the same place every time. So, like, in the beginning of the fight, there's a pre-programmed thing where there's a set number of these enemies that you can hit, so you should be able to smoothly run, hit, run, hit, run, hit, until you get to the end of this hallway, and that's where the, the fight starts, right? But I've done this, like, probably 20 or 30 times now because I keep dying, and I've noticed that like maybe one in 10 of them, they don't spawn in the right place. So I actually end up falling in the water and then I need to jump back on top of it and keep going. And I've had runs where there's so many of them that there's always a platform in the water. And then I've had some where I get halfway through and they're not spawning quick enough. And then it's just like I'm in the water half the time. So it's like it's not that it's random, but there are elements that like don't play out exactly the same every time. So it leads to a degree of randomness when you're doing the same thing over and over again, right? Boss fights specifically. Um, which is, I think, good because it ends up making the game more challenging. But when it is in like small ways like that where it's like, I don't even feel like I really have a chance because enough of these things didn't spawn. Um, that ends up feeling frustrating. Similarly, uh, there's a currency that you unlock throughout the game. It's like these this little yellow balls that you collect or whatever right and the only time you use this currency is when you get to a checkpoint and there will be uh three different power-ups that you can buy right and then every time you end up at that checkpoint it'll auto give you those perks and it'll be like as soon as you end up at the checkpoint you have full health again right or you have full uh special again um sometimes you get like a special weapon modification these upgrades don't cost much they might cost 50 of this currency each usually it's less and I've never, ever gotten to a checkpoint where I didn't have several hundred more of the currency than what I needed to spend, um, which is frustrating because health never spawns. You can sometimes find health in the overworld, like when you're just going through a level, there might be a crack in the wall and you smack it and there's health there, but like enemies almost never drop health. In this boss fight that I was talking about, every one of those enemies has a little knob on top you can hit that'll give you more special or more currency. It never drops health, ever. And, like, fine, you want to make the game hard, that's legit, stop giving me so much of this currency. Like, keep giving me special. Keep giving me something that I can actually use in combat, not this currency that just has become totally meaningless. I have over a thousand of it now. I don't think I'm ever going to spend it. And maybe it comes a point where I can use it later, but, like, level to level right now, it feels totally useless. Um, so, like, things like that, it's little, little tiny gripes that, like, frustrate me in the moment as a player. But overall, it leads to a game that is more challenging and asking more of me, and I'm vibing with that element of it. So, like, there are times where I, like, scream because I'm like, ah, like, I just can't get past this. But I'm never, like, ready to throw my controller. This game's cheap. Like, that kind of mentality, you know? Um, so, for me, it's it's striking the right balance of 
challenge versus uh, frustration, I think. <laughs> uh, so I, I love the game. Really, really into it. Um, again, I, I think I think there are things that, that it could do a little bit better. Um, but by and large, I think it's a really, really strong, tight, uh, 2D action platformer. So, like, if you like that kind of game, if this game piqued your interest when we saw it at the uh, the Indie World and all that kind of stuff, I definitely think it's worth your time. Um, I've really been enjoying it. And I think, um, uh, worth pointing out, it is on Game Pass. So, and it was on Game Pass day, day one. Um, so, if you are kind of, like, interested in trying it, but, you know, maybe you don't know if you want to commit or whatever, perfect Game Pass game. Um, fit right in my budget. <laughs> Man, I love Game Pass. It's so good. Especially when it's a brand new game, day one. Like, yeah. it, it launched at, like, 8 o'clock the night before release, too. So I'm I like, think I can play this, came like, five like, hours early for free. I think it was because it was released in Australia. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The time zone thing. Man, I love Australia. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. Uh, so, 45 minutes into the show. That's what we've been playing this week. Let's jump into the news. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, we've got, uh, like I said, a couple interesting stories this week. The the top we'll we'll jump into is uh, some interesting stuff going on at Sega. So first things first, there was some Sonic news this week. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog voice actor Craig Smith is leaving the role after ten years with the character, uh, and you know, despite Sega saying some nice things about him and you know talking about how important he was to the brand they said for over 10 years uh, roger craig smith has been an integral part of the sega family he brought the voice of sonic to life and we are forever grateful for his never-ending enthusiasm in helping the community and spreading joy thank you roger for all you've done for sonic however it doesn't appear as if uh this was totally mutual or totally on good terms right because roger took to uh to twitter and uh and 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 he seemed disappointed by the news. So he said, Welp, 10 years was an amazing run. On Oh, sorry. I unplugged my headphones mid-tweet. Apologies. So he said, Welp, 10 years was an amazing run. Onward to new zones. Much love to the fans who've been so kind. Blue heart emoji. It's been an honor. Hedgehog emoji. But then he had a giant broken heart emoji as the featured image. Uh, so doesn't doesn't seem like he was super happy about this. I mean, um, he posted that tweet around about seven hours before saying he even said anything. Yes, before they made an official announcement. So it seems as though it was news to him. On top of that, uh, there was a report this week that two veteran Sonic the Hedgehog writers have uh, seemingly also left Sega. Um, so... And this is uh, Ken Pontac and Warren Graff, who um, have worked on a few different important games like Sonic Colors, you know, um, to Sonic Team Racing. So it's like nine years with the brand. Uh, so huge shakeup. People who have been integral in, in the Sonic IP for the last 10 years, uh, seemingly getting the boot or, you know, leaving. What do you guys make of this? Do I have some thoughts on it? I guess I wonder how integral the Sonic franchise has been in the last 10 years. <laughs> I don't know if people have been too impressed with their games, you know, as of late, outside of, like, the Sonic Manias. Um, Which wasn't even the main team, right? That yeah, was, uh, exactly. That was like an indie project that, yeah. that they incubated. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's kind of rough though. Like, you know, you've been playing this character for so long and all of a sudden you find out you're not. And, you know, that's just a, a big change, but yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't played too many Sonic games outside of like, you know, first one, I have Sonic Mania, but I haven't gotten a chance to play it. But like you said, it's not even from the main team. So it's worth playing. It's the best Sonic game in like 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to try it out. I've always, you know, I grew up a Nintendo kid, so it was hard for me to sure. to play Sonic sometimes. What about you, Steve? Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's good news either way. Like, um, if if Roger had been, like, contracted for this long, presumably he was working on something, and to get the news now makes it seem like maybe a game's been cancelled, which is, is never a good thing. Um, and, and I think we've been waiting for a, a good 3D Sonic for some time. I really actually really loved Sonic Adventure back on the Dreamcast, and then when it came to the, the GameCube, I loved those games. I would love to have seen a kind of a return to form there. Um, but I, I agree with Chewie. Like, Sonic Mania, it seems to be the only game in a long time that, that anyone has, has kind of gelled with. And I wonder if they could get that team to maybe become the main Sonic team. And that's why some of the veteran writers are moving on to, to Greener Pastures and um, Roger Craig Smith's moving on. And maybe it's kind of a, a reform of the, the Sonic team. And they're saying, we're going to start from scratch and build something new and hopefully build a, a great Sonic game that the fans deserve. So it's funny um, because you say that, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. My only difference is kind of um, my... I would push back on, I guess, what you're saying that I actually think this is good news. Um, I, you know, uh, total, my heart goes out to Roger, you know, like that, it's a, it's a, it definitely a disappointing uh, situation for him. And like, I don't, you know, um, it, it, it sucks, frankly, for, for him to lose, lose his job and, you know, all, all that aside. Uh, this isn't actually the first time this has happened. So, uh, longtime Sonic fans will remember um, before Roger Craig Smith took over, he took over in 2010, right? And before that, um, Jason Griffith was the voice of Sonic uh, from 2003 to 2010. And he is the voice uh, that you would know from... Um, oh, wait. Oh, am I mixing him up with Ryan Drummond? Yes. Okay, sorry. Right. Uh, Jason was the, in cartoons and stuff, voice actor for a long time. Uh, Ryan was better known for the the game franchises stuff. Um, so like Sonic Adventure. And I remember when Sonic originally came to Smash, uh, there was actually a fan petition to not use Roger Craig Smith's voice and to use the previous voice actor because people didn't like Roger's uh, interpretation. So... You know, I think it's interesting to see now, 10 years later, right, that there is this love and affection for Roger because he's been playing the character, but he hasn't, he's not the only voice of Sonic. It's not a, um, you know, a, uh, a Mario situation, right? Like, it's, it's, it's not quite there where, like, Charles Martinet yeah. is, is Mario, right? That's, that's it. He's the guy. And, you know, that's, that's not been the case with Sonic, and there has been a vocal part of the Sonic community um, at least back then, that didn't really like Roger's interpretation. Um, and I think, again, like looking at these two veteran writers who, who have moved on, um, 
you know, no disrespect to them. Um, they actually are apparently the team behind Happy Tree Friends, which shout out to early internet culture. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no shade to any of these creatives, but I don't. I, I think we can all agree that Sonic's been in a in a poor place for a while. And like even the adventure games, which I think people our age have nostalgia for, are not good games. Um, try and go back and play them. They're they don't they don't hold up uh, in a lot of ways. I just really so, loved the VMU mini game. That's what I loved on the. I, the I loved the Chow Garden. I loved the yeah. music. Like I loved those games. That doesn't make them good. Uh, but but that's the thing, right? Is I think Sonic is an IP that is valuable. Um, it prints money despite the fact that there really has been one good game since like what. The Genesis, like, you know, like, honestly, like, if you really get to nick, like, brass tacks, how many good Sonic games are there versus how many Sonic games are there, it's a fraction of a fraction, right? I think uh, there's um, some of the 2D ones, like, on the Saturn, on the 32X, some yeah. of those ones people do agree that are, totally. are good. Well, it it say, seems I to th- be the transition from 2D to 3D that they didn't mm. pull off, like, Nintendo managed to pull off with Mario's transition from 2D Absolutely. to 3D. Yeah, and like I'd stand by the Mar- uh, the Sonic Advance titles too, which are also two D. Like there, there are plenty of good Sonic games, but there are like forty Sonic games, and <laughs> a lot of them suck. You know, <laughs> and I say that as a fan. Uh, but I, I, so I don't know. I think maybe this is just them seeing that it's time to shake up the brand again in the way that they thought in two thousand ten, right? And like the movie was last year. And that kind of put Sonic back in the cultural lexicon again, probably exposed him to a whole new generation of kids. Like it's one of the top grossing movies of last year. That is true. <laughs> that is true, Chewie. I, mean, uh, I think that's that's default though, because nothing else came hey, out in the cinema. <laughs> history will only remember the winner, Steve. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I I think overall th- this could point to a a refresh for the Sonic brand, which I think it's in need of, you know, I think like a proper Sonic reboot, um, that trims all the fat, like let's get rid of a bunch of these tertiary characters that nobody cares about. Like get us back to do what Sonic mania did, but in 3d, right? Like, you know, get, get us back to Sonic knuckles and tails and a tight 3d triple a, uh, platform, like speed based platformer that actually plays well, and then, like, let's see where we go from there, right? I hope, anyway. Uh, so to keep keep it on the Sega thing, uh, there was a, a rumor going around this this week that Sega is possibly looking for a buyer uh, and potentially kind of splitting up the company and um, taking its amusement and video game divisions kind of in in different directions. Um, not unheard of, something that we have kind of seen talked about for a while. I know a few months ago, I think it, time is so relative these days, but, uh, several weeks ago, right? Yeah. I, I remember there being a story about how Xbox and Microsoft were sniffing around for a Japanese acquisition, uh, and a few bigger publishers, developers were thrown out in that conversation. Sega being one of the popular rumors so circulating that there, there was interest in, in an acquisition there. Yeah, and I think um, we spoke about it, and and I think one of the things we both agreed on was the fact that Microsoft wouldn't really want Sega's arcade and amusements side of things, right? And that wouldn't be something they would be interested in, and that's what this change makes in structure. They've they've essentially made a a separate company that is handling all of the amusements and arcade side of things with the the Japanese arcades that they own and operate. With that, will be shifted to a separate company, still under the Sega brand, 
and then the video game company becomes its own thing and has that level of autonomy. Um, and the CCO has stepped down from his role managing both divisions to just become the creative director of Sega Video Games Company. Right. So, I mean, with that context, um, that was the kind of the main thing that I remember you had raised to you of like, well, would they buy this? Because then they have this whole business that they're not interested in. And now that you see this, it, it does kind of seem like they are primed for an acquisition here. And, and you know, to to keep it with the uh, the Microsoft example, man, what a feather in their cap that would be, right? All of a sudden they have, because we, we've talked about this on the show in the past. And I know, Chewy, we've talked about uh, this with you on the Discord, like, I would say the two major gaps in, in Microsoft's portfolio right now are family-friendly IP and Japanese-centric video games, right? Like stuff that really caters to that market. And we know that Xbox is trying to break it in Japan. Guess what they yeah. would have if they bought Sega? Sonic the fucking Hedgehog and Atlas. And Yakuza. Like, they don't forget the Yakuza, Yakuza oh my God, games, I forgot that about series. That. Yeah. That, or that whole series is currently on Game Pass. You can play, like, all of the, the new games from y- yeah. Yakuza 0 all the way up. Um, and that's that would be a huge win for them if they owned the IP, made it exclusive to Xbox. That would be a way for them to get in in Japan. Sure. Oh, and, and imagine if Persona, mm-hmm. rather than being a PlayStation exclusive, became an Xbox exclusive. That would change things for sure. And then you've got like things like Puyo Puyo Tetris and I don't yep. know, just like big puzzle games that are still huge over there and everything. Yeah. So, because honestly, they, I don't think Microsoft is in the Japanese market right now. They're really not. <laughs> they're such a minor force over there. And they're clearly trying to get in. Like they, they sent twice mm-hmm. as many Xbox Series X's as they had the previous generation because they're trying yeah, to get in which, there. Which still wasn't very many. I forget. The numbers for it were abysmal pretty consistently. So if they really want to be there, yeah, I'd say that's the purchase they need to make to get in. That's like an entry point. And it's definitely following their strategy because, you know, we, we have talked about how Microsoft is just missing out on all of these different um I guess just demographics for gaming that yeah. they don't quite capture and this follows up with like all of their indie acquisitions and everything, their studios that they've been buying up. And I think pretty soon we're going to see this benefit in a huge way, especially with game pass and just seeing like how well that does with putting up games. Like, like you said, five hours before it was even live. So yeah. yeah. Well, and like, imagine if, imagine if the next big Sonic, the hedgehog game is Xbox exclusive or is Game Pass day one? Like, that is a, you know, like, again, I, I don't think we could argue that the Sonic games have not, have dipped in quality, but they still sell like crazy. Kids love Sonic. Kids buy Sonic games. Like, that would be a thing that would legitimately make a parent, I think, consider an Xbox as their their living room home console over a PlayStation. Yeah, and I think if you've got the teams that Microsoft has that can assist with the development of a new Sonic 3D game that has... Or building a new studio. Yeah. Like hiring new people, you know? Like they've got more money than God. (laughs) (laughs) It's nuts. It's nuts to think about. It really is. Um, I I don't know. Like at this point, it's all speculation. Take it with a grain of salt. But like if this news comes in the next couple of weeks, I won't be surprised. I'll tell you that. 
No, me neither. And and I actually would quite like it, I think. Like, Microsoft seems to be quite hands-off with this, the acquisitions in the studios they get. I mean, you just look at uh, the at Mojang, for example, with Minecraft. They gave them complete autonomy. They let them carry on it's with Minecraft as it was. Yep, still multi-platform. It's still the biggest game on the planet, really. Um, everyone has played Minecraft. Everyone owns a copy of Minecraft. And I think if they can do that with their acquisitions with with like Bethesda that they've currently got and hopefully you know moving forwards with any future acquisitions um then that would be great so my 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 pushback on that is um the anti-capitalist in me uh is getting really (laughs) nervous is getting really really nervous about this whole uh cadence of acquisitions and this this you know, it's the rumor mill. It is you see it being prognosticated from insiders, from journalists, from analysts that this generation is going to be all about acquisitions and IP management, and that setting yourself up for success in the streaming wars is about owning things and owning IP, and that is bad. That is bad for any media landscape. It's bad, and we've seen it happen in movies. And it's, I don't want to see it happen. Potentially, but like my argument to it is that Disney Plus is is seemingly an incredible deal in the same way that Game Pass is an incredible deal for the consumer. Especially here in the UK when we're about to get all of Fox's back catalogue added to Disney Plus for the same price. Uh, But that's the thing, right? Is like, I'm not arguing that it's not value for the consumer. The issue is that it, it leads to a smaller industry. And it leads to a smaller number of players who are capable of delivering high-quality games. It can lead to a uh, a talent drain. It can lead to a creativity drain. You know, I think, point taken, what you said about Xbox, I agree. Generally speaking, it seems like Xbox's uh, kind of mentality is to acquire studios that have a unique voice and have a unique vision and make weird, like, special games and just give them money and let them make the game and let that be the thing that makes Game Pass more valuable. And if they're willing to do that and that's their thing and that's what they're going to do, fine. Like that assuages some of my concerns, but it doesn't it doesn't speak to the the problem, right? Because Sega is a major publisher in the way that Bethesda was a major publisher. And if all of a sudden Microsoft just owns them because they have so much money, they can just walk in and be like, ah, here's us $10 billion. We own you now. That's bad. That's bad for the, the video game industry. It just is. Um, just because Microsoft is a good guy right now doesn't mean that they always will be. Phil Spencer won't always be in charge. The next CEO yeah, might be a fucking shit and close down Sega or eliminate half of the Bethesda studios or decide that, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's great that we can put these games on Game Pass, but not enough people are playing them. So uh, double fine, you're closed down now. Like, th- those are the things that you don't think of right now when there's the acquisition and everyone's like, oh my God, it's so hype. Xbox, they have it now. It's free for me. You don't think about what it can mean 10, 15, 20 years from now. And that's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, true. But I mean, it's not just Microsoft. I know we're focusing on them, but you know, Sony's made tons of acquisitions and Somniac was a huge acquisition for them. And I know it's not on the level of Bethesda or on Sega. Even that though, Uh, right? They're a studio that was making basically Sony exclusive games for the last 10 years. How does the industry landscape change by them owning them? 
versus buying Bethesda, who is a publisher that had an E3 presentation years ago. Yeah. Right. And now they just they are Xbox. Yeah. And we even have like Nintendo buying next level games recently, too. Yeah. Like it's these gaming conglomerates, essentially, which I don't know. It, it, I fall kind of the same way you do, Pete, where I'm just like this. This can lead to like a decrease in ideas, basically, like when one when just a few big companies are in charge of like all of these voices that head out uh, like get out to people it makes me wonder like what's the indie landscape going to look like pretty soon based on this like at this point with Xbox buying up half of the indie studios like are they indies anymore like maybe just an idea but realistically they're a huge company now mm-hmm. that has a big parent company that's like funding them and everything so it kind of it, the worry always falls along the lines of like, are we going to be able to get things like Celeste in the future? Maybe, but probably not the same. You and know? like my thing is, I think we will always get that kind of game. I just don't want it to get harder to make that kind of game, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to get to a, a scenario where, and and honestly, frankly, like we see this already, right? Because I think this is the thing like a lot of people don't think think about or talk about or realize is that like a lot of indie studios, right? Before you make your Celeste, before you make your Shovel Knight, go read Jason Trier's book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels about the creation of Shovel Knight. The founders of Yacht Club fucking mortgaged their houses, put their entire life savings into this game. If it had failed, they would have all been bankrupt and that would have been the end of it. Right. And now they're autonomous and they can become a publisher and champion other indies and do all this other stuff. That was that wasn't guaranteed. And it very easily could have went the opposite direction. And then you see studios like that get a little bigger than them and struggle to survive like a don't nod. Right. Who almost went out of business before life is strange and then had to sell the most valuable IP they've ever created to square to survive. And then yeah, now I mean, they just have to take it. But Obsidian had that same situation and they had to launch a Kickstarter because the project they were working on fell through. And if that hadn't worked, and I kind of feel that, that, yeah, indies are harder to make. And your point is totally valid that a lot of people are having to remortgage homes. You know, we saw that with a bunch of games. But you've also got these bigger studios that are helping. EA Originals, for example, with the games that Hazelight are making, mm-hmm. uh, it takes two. For example, is coming out next uh, next month. Uh, that's like a, a. I think we've seen from um, Joseph Farris that uh, that the deal he gets with EA is just incredible. They like give him hundred sure. percent or something. But what I what I was driving to with that point is I think that's inherently problematic. That. Basically, we are we are increasingly becoming a, a landscape, a, a medium where small to mid level cr- teams struggle to survive, and it's like a game to game survival. And that if you don't get bought by an Xbox or a Nintendo or a PlayStation and allowed to remain creatively free and autonomous, uh, you are relying on like I brought up Don't Nod. They just got a, a injection of cash from Tencent and had to sell a minority stake in the company. You know, similar thing where like 
you can say Tencent generally is hands off and it's not such a big problem and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is that it speaks to a problem with the industry, I think, when some of the best, most creative minds in the industry can't be sustained without the benevolence of these giant multi-billion dollar companies. That's bad. That's bad for creativity and it's bad for the future and health of the industry. And like it might come off as like I'm being doom and gloom and, and all that stuff. I don't think I am. And I think we should. No, be I, I agree with this. you, but I think it, it comes to the point where any creative industry gets to a level of maturity. We saw it with music where there was a reliance on record labels. And I know that has kind of gone the other way now where you can self-publish and you can get your albums out there. Um, but it's almost impossible to survive and make money. Yes. It happened with uh, movies where there's very, very few studios left and they're all owned essentially by like three Four. companies. Yeah, that's it. That's that's all there are. Um, and I think that is when you get to the level of maturity in any creative industry. I think that's what's going to happen with, with video games. And I think there will always be indies around making smaller games and publishing themselves, just like there are indie bands that are doing that. And there are indie movies that, that do that. It but, just may but be I think, a case that it's harder to get found. And I think you've seen that already, that it's harder to get found. But I hope that the, the bigger companies still do things to help them, like Nintendo with their Indie World presentations that present it, and Microsoft by giving them a platform on Game Pass and giving them injections of cash up front. Sure. Uh, you've got Apple with um, the Apple Arcade, where they essentially fund video games to be exclusive on their platform. So I think I think it's not necessary all doom and gloom that you have big companies essentially owning this this landscape and owning the market if they continue to help the smaller guy. And I agree that if they stop that because they own these big games, like it may get to a point where Microsoft's like, we don't need to fund indie indie games anymore because we own all of these studios ourselves and we can make all these games and we have all these IPs. Why would we need to go and give money to the folks behind project. Yeah, like f funding the the folks behind Cy uh, Cyber Shadow, for example, or um, any of the smaller indie titles that are on on Game Pass. They may get to a point where they don't they don't feel they need to give them any money or give them that platform because they own all the games themselves. I'd say the natural worry with that is like, yes, these places are funding these indies and everything, so they could be exclusive on their platform. But I think the worry is is that how they're going to depend on be, being on any platform? You know, um, does this war right. get bad enough where people are like, we're getting all these acquisitions and everything. The only way we're going to have you on our platform is if you agree to, you know, be exclusive to us and that sort of thing. So or are they going to limit publishers, these indie developers, everybody, are they going to be limiting them in any ways or are there still going to be cross-platform games in the well, future and, and i think and that's the natural worry with it you know to build on that too right is like even if they do have full creative freedom if they make something incredible do they own it no look at life is strange right don't not is is now leaving they're not going to work on the ip anymore because they don't own it and they want to focus on ip that they own and they control because they made life is strange which became a huge hit there's a comic series. There's hundreds of thousands of dollars in merch that have been made and produced. And I'm sure they haven't seen any of it. Yeah. And that's that sucks. We saw the same thing uh, with Supermassive that we spoke about last week uh, with Until Dawn. It was totally owned by Sony. They own that whole game. Uh, but they went off and they wanted to do their own thing. 
and they struck that deal with Bandai Namco, who are just the publisher, but they own right. all of the IP for the uh, for Man and Medan and Little Hope and all of the other games in the uh, anthology series that they're making. Yeah. So I don't know. I I I don't I don't mean to say that like we're fucked, but just that <laughs> this is something that we that should give give you pause, and I, I it bothers me when there's news of these acquisitions and that like it's a hundred percent gamers just being like, let's all hop on the hype train without thinking about what the ramifications it can have on the creativity and, you know, uh, diversity of, of the landscape, right. When it comes to what is available, because I think video games are in a absolute Renaissance right now. Like there's a game for everybody and there's 10 games for everybody and they're all great. Um, and I don't want to see our options get smaller. I don't want to see that choice disappear because big companies need to start gobbling everybody else up so they can compete for streaming services in 10 years. Yeah. And I come at it definitely like seeing stuff that happened with like rare. It took them how many years to make sea of thieves after Microsoft bought them? (laughs) Like what did they do post banjo kazooie? I mean, viva pinata. They Great. made Connect games and Xbox Arcade uh, avatars. That's all they did. Love it. Yeah. So, so I, I guess there is that amount of positivity that comes where you know these these uh, developers that they're buying out, they're not being forced to make Connect stuff at this point. They're like, we'll let you do your thing, right? You know. So there's the that fear aspect is, though, of it too. Once Phil Spencer's gone, who's next? Right? Like. <laughs> Now Probably. Xbox owns the future of Bethesda forever. Mm-hmm. Scary. Yeah. Probably nobody near as benevolent as he is. <laughs> or as smart either. Like he's fucking brilliant. Yeah. He's a great, he's a great uh, businessman. He's got a great mind for, for selling games. The guy knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going for a long time. He's been given no. like a C-level title. Yeah. He's like on Microsoft's board now. He yeah, is for there sure. for the long haul. Yeah, but even then, like, how many people do these decisions go through and how many people get overruled, especially with moves like, let's double the price of Xbox Gold, Yeah, you know? Right. So, so. just saying, they're not so benevolent, right? <laughs> still a corporation, still want your fucking money. Beware. Yeah. Uh, so, we had a, a, a little Platinum Games rock block here that we're going to move through quickly because we do have still to get our, to our main topic and some mailpot stuff. So let's we'll move through this pretty quickly. But uh, uh, we did just want to touch on this because it does apply to our predictions episode we did mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. Uh, so we talked about it previously about um, what the was going on with four, Platinum. That became the Platinum yeah. 5, yeah. The Platinum 5 and how it related to Steve's predictions about Bayonetta 3. We have another update here. Uh, so, according to uh, Platinum's Hideki Kamiya, fans should, quote, forget about Bayonetta 3, at least for now. I'm pretty happy with that that headline. That bodes pretty well <laughs> for you, Steve. Uh, I I think it's just really funny because why? Like, why did they announce this so long ago? It's like, did they even start it yet? Like, what happened? <laughs> My sad chewy brain says also forget about Metroid Prime 4. Yes. <laughs> uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5. No. I don't know. Uh, there, I feel like there's some games that have been announced that we're not going to see in a, At least we saw soon. a trailer for Shin Megami Tensei. Like they That's acknowledge true. that it's still a game. And I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> these other two though it's like we saw a logo and then that's it metro they're like it's canceled it's we're starting over this we haven't even heard of again this is like the first time they've even acknowledged it i feel like <laughs> it's probably yeah. canceled and they're starting over i bet i bet or they didn't start yeah. it like they announced it and we're like oh we're in pre-pro and it's like then they did astral chain speaking yeah, of which we also got the update I had wonderful one-on-one, yeah. Uh, we also got the update that Astral Chain is uh, actually officially owned by Nintendo, uh, according to Platinum Games. That was kind of up in the air for a while. Um, now we know. So if you care about that, uh, unlike Steve and I, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it kind of gives you, me hope that in the future they can do something else with the IP that maybe something I actually want to play. No, I don't think so. I don't I don't like the IP. Like, I, we okay. talked about it. I think it, I thought it looked so generic and just, like, basic and... I was not interested in it. So no shade. If you are, it's not for me. Uh, even though I don't like platinum. If they put it in somebody else's hands, I'm still not interested. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the mail pot. Uh, this person comes from uh, one up mango from the discord. He says uh, to make up for mentioning a repeat question a couple of weeks ago. What is your least favorite Nintendo presentation of all time? Perhaps an announcement that makes you cringe or something that didn't age. Well, I thought this was a good question. Like, I can't I, I can't think off the top of my head of what's the one that like I was the most re- like legitimately turned off by, but it would have had to have been during the Wii U era, I imagine. Because there were some soft years. <laughs> 2016 was so empty. I feel like they did nothing. Because that, that was what because it was what 2014 was when they did the puppets, and then 2015 was the adults uh, the robot chicken inspired one and then i feel like the year after that it was like just bland like nothing they didn't have anything at that point they knew the i'm sure like several years ago they knew the wii u was like not it and they were quickly trying to come up with what's next so 2016 being that last year without the switch was just like all right they they actively said at that point that we're working on the nx and this is like the the wii u is dead essentially yeah Mm mm-hmm it's funny, I, I remember being, I was one of those people at that point being like, Nintendo needs to get out of hardware. Like, they need to just Me make too. games. Just they make pull a Sega. Games. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I was thinking at that point. And then, Jesus, I'm so glad I was wrong. The Switch is amazing. But uh, at that point, I remember being like, man, th- you guys did not nail it this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's got to be it. Like, that's got to be the one, just because it was so nothing. It was so, like, man, they've got nothing to show. Yeah. I mean, that said, I think, like, their actual E3 stuff was just, like, Breath of the Wild focused. So it was that, but, like, as a whole, they really Mm. had nothing going on. You but know, that wasn't part that... of the main presentation, right? Because I remember they did, like, they showed it, but then they had the treehouse that was, like, 45 minutes of showing how crafting worked and some of that stuff. And it was like, oh, No, okay. there's there's one presentation I can think of that I just I just almost fell asleep watching, which was the Smash Bros. one where we got to see, like, 30 minutes of menus and he, like, walked us through, oh, yeah. like, all of the different menus. And I'm like, no that one cares bad. about this. <laughs> Like, who's sitting here going, oh, yeah, please show me the, the menu for how I get in to, to test my character. It's like, no, nobody cares. Move on. Yeah. And the Smash menus still aren't great. They're just yeah. not good. <laughs> the, um, 
that partner direct earlier this year too where they're like we've got something really big and then it was Bakugan like that was like oh, a colossal shit, yeah. like I've yeah. never seen them step on a rake so bad like getting people hyped <laughs> up for something that nobody was excited about <laughs> <laughs> I think that should have been a lesson to us all. Like, yeah. just who knows what they're going to come out with? It could do be the not. next Bakugan. <laughs> yeah, do not do not hop on the hype train too early, <laughs> right? <laughs> all right. So uh, this next one comes from Wakahula, who's one of our Patreon supporters. Who said, "Are there any must-have accessories you can recommend?" I bought the purple GameCube themed Skull and Co. grip case a few years back and never take it off. It's infinitely more comfortable for my bigger hands. Um, must have, I would say no. No, there's, but there's think, a few that I would say are like essentials. Okay. Screen protector. I don't have one on my Switch. Oh, see, I consider that an essential. I way prefer the way the glass feels to the the plastic screen. It's like smoother rather than like got a bit of a tacky mm. feel I found on the plastic. Uh, an SD card, if you're getting a Switch and you haven't got a micro SD card, you 100% need that. But I kind of feel like that's essential. That's a good um, one. And on an, on another console, on the Xbox, I would say get that play and charge kit, get that rechargeable battery, not having to swap out double A's, even if they're rechargeable double A's, and just plug into the USB-C or micro USB port on the top. It's it's amazing. I, it's changed the way I feel about that controller, which was always like, yeah, it's great, but I hate that I've got to put double A's in and just being able to buy that like 10, 15 pounds battery to put in has, has been great. I'd say... Um Definitely a case. That's like an easy one, right? You need a case for your Switch. I'd say that's the one absolute must-have no matter what. Um, but uh, in terms of like my favorite accessories, the 8-bit dough uh, SN30 Pro is, I think, the best um, third-party controller on the market. I love it. It's great for retro games. Um, the D-pad is really nice, and we all know how bad the Pro Controller's D-pad is. Uh, and then also, I really like the Power A GameCube controller for Smash. It's a wireless uh, GameCube shell with uh, Pro Controller's guts shoved in it. So it's got, like, the screen uh, shot button and, you know, like, all of the Wii U, uh, Wii U, all of the Switch Pro Controller buttons that you come to expect are, of course, there. Um, doesn't have ada- the adaptive triggers. Not adaptive. What am I? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, analog. Analog. Thank you. Um so it is just buttons for that. But other than that, it really does feel like a GameCube controller. And uh, that's like the only way I play Smash now. So I'd say that's yeah. definitely one I would invest in. Uh, and then if you have more than one TV, an extra dock. Which you cannot buy in the UK anymore separately. They are they, they don't uh, really? exist. Yeah, you can't that's buy really them. So I have to buy them from Play Asia or uh, hope that you can get one that's not been swapped out the board swapped mm. out on ebay with a fake one because i have mm. i have three i have the original one that i had one additional one and then the one that came with sarah's so i have one in my office one in my living room and one in my bedroom perfect that's what you yeah, want <laughs> we've got three in the house i've got mine um mccall has never taken theirs out the box and i've got one that i uh bought from pixel um so he had two because i think his partner wasn't using hers um so he sold it to me nice i've got two the animal crossing one and then my original <sighs> nice. So nice they're cute yeah i mean i have a lot of that uh, that essential stuff you guys mentioned case sd card um 
extra dock. Uh, the only other thing that came in handy for me that I kind of do travel with, I, I keep it in my case since it's so portable, is a little stand. Um, oh. I think I got it originally for my 3DS, but I think it is a Switch stand. Um, but this one, it raises it up a little bit so you can actually plug it in while you're playing in kind of that tabletop mode, but you just have more angles and everything. That's nice. Um, yeah, that's basically the only one I do because I refuse to play uh, Splatoon in handheld mode. Uh, I have to play with the Pro Controller. So if I am playing that in tabletop, I'll put it on that stand. But, nice. Yeah. You were asking me the other week when you Pete, about how, how I play yeah. Splatoon, like off screen. I was about to Do say, I play yeah, because I, I want to play it while I watch TV, but I don't want to play it in handheld mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just haven't been playing it. And I'm like, I got to figure this out. Pro, pro controller yeah. and a, a stand is apparently the way to go. Yeah, uh, I, that's the way I like to do it. I forget. I saw this like thing on, I don't know. It was probably on like Kickstarter or something. It was like this goofy like switch handle that you were supposed to be able to like clip on a chair, and it like <laughs> goes over and puts the screen in front of you. And it's like I feel like that's what I need for Splatoon. You know, like <laughs> keep my eye on the prize. <laughs> Uh, so thanks, thanks uh, everybody who wrote into the mail pot this week. Uh, remember, if you do want to write in and have your your thoughts right on the air, uh, just like all these fine folks did, you can of course come join the Discord. We've got a podcast channel over there. You can write in to me at pete at lootpots dot com or jump on our weekly Twitter thread, uh, which we have forgotten to put up the last two weeks. So uh, any of those ways are a great way to get your thoughts right on the air. I hope you'll write in. We love hearing from you. All right, so let's jump into our main topic. As we tease at the top, we have. A fitness event happening in February. Uh, it is Ring Fit February here at Lupots, where the three of us are going to try to use Ring Fit as well as potentially some additional, you know, uh, fitness and, and health related things uh, to get in better shape. Uh, Steve and I have been talking on After Dark uh, about our goal to lose some weight this year and uh, to, you know, just get in better shape, be healthier. You know, we're getting old. Uh, gotta start taking care of our a- ailing bodies. Um, <laughs> Chewy, uh, of course, you know when Steve got his ring fit was like, "Yo, let's do this. Let's get let's get a, a competition going. Let's work together. Keep each other honest. Um, we're not gonna like compete compete in terms of there's a winner and a loser. We're all winners if we try, right? We're so, swole mates. We're working together here. Well, I just my fiance just booed me. She just booed. <laughs> she just booed me, saying that we're all on the same team. What a monster! Anyway, uh, so what? I, what I thought would be cool for this this uh, episode, when we're, we're going to kick things off, we're going to do this all throughout February. Uh, we're going to set the ground rules here today, and we'll talk about you know how you can kind of keep up with us and and what we're doing or whatever. And then at the end of the process. You know, I'd like to put a video together on all of our progress and, and what we got done and everything. So we're going to kind of decide on the rules here for our main topic this week and set set our, our goals, our expectations and everything. And then, you know, we'll uh, I Chewy, if you're available, I'd love to get you on all throughout the month uh, to talk about yeah. what's been going on. Um, but if not, at the very least, we'll have you come at the end. And we can talk about how we did and everything and um, and present that stuff. So. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's kick it off, you know. Just figuring out some of these ground rules. I know, Chu, you'd already proposed a couple, so why don't, why don't you start? Yeah. Uh, basically, I I guess a little background. I have been playing Ring Fit for a bit. I got it pretty early on when it came out. And 
I started doing it pretty seriously. I'd say like, I guess 20, I want to say 2018. Is that when it came out or 2019? I don't even remember. At I this think point. it was 19. 2019. I think it was 19. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know what year it is anymore at this point. Um, <laughs> say? Yeah. So 2019, back in the autumn, like October, November time frame, I started playing pretty actively and I lost like probably 15 pounds pretty quickly that said i was walking a lot as well and sure. watching my diet pretty well you know um so probably made it a, a lot more effective doing those things um but yeah I, i'd say for us to do this i think it's worth starting from level one like world one level one going through it and seeing I mean, that works like how for far me. we get I've only made it to world. I've just finished world two, so I'm I'm fine to go. The farthest back I ever got <laughs> yeah. was the end of world two, and I started it over about a week ago. So I'll start it over again. That's fine. I was I, I <laughs> like I started playing this this week, and I did not expect to be this unfit and like hurting that much. Like, oh yeah, the sec, yeah. The sec after the second time I played it, I was fully like prepping because I knew we were going to do this to to play it every single day. But I did too much of that chair pose, and my my legs were so sore from doing that that chair pose. Where you like hold the ring of your head and like you pull it in front of you, <laughs> yeah. And you're like they're squatting down, and it's like hold, 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 and I'm like, please, can I stop now? And then I mean, you like lift it back up. That's one of those ones that's funny because like it does let you choose what exercises you do, right? And like you know, um, like it's Steve and I, we're both definitely bigger than you are, Chewy. So like, I know for me, like the body weight exercises are hard because it's like, all right, do the chair pose, and it's like I weigh over two hundred pounds. That's a lot of weight to hold. <laughs> like I'm not in that good shape, you know. Uh, so like, you definitely got to like vary it up a little bit, um, which is why you know. So so I had some thoughts. Um, I'm down with the start from World One One thing chewy i know you said well we should play for a a minimum of 10 minutes a day i think we should up Mm -hmm. that i think 20 minutes a day would probably be better is that Um, 20 minutes of it counting in the game as exercise because i know like sometimes it plays like clips and things that's interesting yeah my thought was like get 10 minutes of like active exercise according to those stats because i remember starting out and I was a sweaty mess at the end of every session. Like I was a puddle and I'm like, it's been 10 minutes. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Um, cool. Fine. So we'll, yeah, ring fit for at least 10 minutes of active exercise every day. Uh, Tracking the metrics from the game. And I I think we should capture our video. Um, If we all make sure we record our video, we'll have the footage we need when we want to put together a video at the end. We can also keep, keep ourselves honest. Um, So I think that would be good. Uh, yeah, and there is the screenshot option at the end of each session, too. Yes. So you can be like, here's yeah, so how much time I spent. And you I was going to take a screenshot. Too. I was going to take a <laughs> screenshot every day, and I was going to make a Twitter thread for Ring Fit February and like have, have just like one thread. Let's of- do that. Of every like, if we each have one thread, then we can go back and we can have a look through and then kind of track how it's all going. And then okay. if anyone's following us that doesn't care about it, they can just mute that that one thread. Perfect. I think I think that makes sense. Um, and then I had some other additional proposals. I think um, I don't want to do like before and after pictures or anything. I don't want to like you know uh, put anybody <laughs> like in that position if that's uncomfortable. But I think uh, we should tr- keep track of our start and end weight. 
um, as well as any other things that you're doing just to be transparent, right? So, like, if you are, like, I know Steve and I are both actively dieting, um, and I actually just bought, like, an exercise bike that I'm going to try to regularly use as well. So I want to make sure that we're being transparent about what are the other health and fitness-related things okay. we're doing. So, so then, it, and then at the end, we can just say we've lost, like, Chewy, for example, lost 15 pounds or, or whatever it is. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and we don't have to say how much we weigh if, if we're not comfortable with that or whatever. You can just say, in mm-hmm. in the 28 days in February, I did these things, and I lost this much weight. And I think that, you know, um, mm-hmm. that way you can just focus on the gains, you know, rather than um, anything else. Yeah. Okay. Any other rules we can think of? Mm-hmm. Not really, no. I mean... Yeah, I'm I'm kind of happy with that. I'm um, I'm excited because I when I was playing Ring Fit, I was really really enjoying it. It was just after that my body was just like, "What are you doing? You've never yeah. you've never exercised in your life, and you've decided to just go all guns blazing at this thing." Yeah, uh, I definitely that, agree. We, I remember the. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, are we going to set like a a medium level that we want to do? Because obviously the game lets you do it. Like I've been doing it moderate. I haven't stepped up. Or are we just going to leave that up to kind of how we feel our body is? And we I think we should leave it up to Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. wherever you're most comfortable. And I think that should just be one of the things that you uh, are transparent about, right? Because again, like we all have different body shapes too. Like Chewy is going to have a much different experience than you and I. I think we're definitely mm-hmm. more similar yeah, um, I have been wondering like how the game plays at different levels too. Because um, mm-hmm. I've I've talked to people. Is there like a lot more running in yours? Because I tend to play at like a really high difficulty, and it's really like more of the resistance stuff where you're just like pushing and tons of the running. Band and like I'm, I'm yeah. running along, and then and this could just be because I've only really had experience with World One and World Two, but there's very few of those enemies you have to beat. I maybe get mm-hmm. three or four per level. I don't mm-hmm. know how many you're seeing on your higher level. So I, I know the first time I played, I had it on high intensity, and I felt like um, there was less running because you were moving more quickly through the level um, because I think mm-hmm. it was trying to give you less space in between exercises. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I was playing it the other, you know, last week or whatever, two weeks ago now, um, and I was on moderate. I, I remember getting to a point where I was like, man, I'm fucking running. Like, move faster. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And then I was like, like, I was like going crazy, like just jogging faster so I could try and go. And then they have those jumps where it's just like, you have to dash to go over the jump. And I'm like, oh my God, no, I can't do that. I was yeah. like, die. I got to the point where I had a stitch and I had to sit down. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. <laughs> that's what we're here for, right? Like, that's, you know, trying to get, yeah. trying to get fit. And I'd love yeah, to know. I if, think that's if, cool too, like to kind of get our different experiences too, based on the level and everything. Because I'm mm-hmm. sure, because it, it, yeah. it is cool that they take that into account and really change up what the exercises are. Yeah, yeah, I do like that, and I like that it like kind of uh, doesn't let you do like the same exercise over and over again. You know, like it, it yeah, does I some know. good. Because I wanted to, kind of, like, to cheat and just do the easy one, which I find is the like thing over my head, the push over my head. Right. I was like, this is easy. I could just keep doing oh, this man. one over and over again. That's the hard one for me. <laughs> now, see, <laughs> I find that so easy. Or the like squeeze between your thing one. I can do yeah. those super easy. It's the like leg ones, the squat or the the chair pose. I can't do those without you. We're on opposite ends then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, cool. I, I was going right. to say, I'd love to know if anyone else in the community is doing this. Maybe we set up like a, 
a Ring Fit February channel in Discord where we can yeah, all yeah, talk about it. Idea. And if anyone else wants to join in with the fitness thing for February, then that would be great. Even if they don't I have know, Ring uh, Fit and they just want to like do other forms of like fitness and getting themselves in shape, then it would be great to get everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah, and I know. Uh, I know Max has actually been playing Ring Fit as well. Um, I've seen him talking about it. On he's Twitter lost. A lot, he's so. lost fourteen pounds in February. Yeah, in a month. Wow. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Something to aspire to, and uh, maybe maybe we'll get him involved at the end or something like that and talk about. I know he's been like getting on a cooking journey and all that stuff. So um. Yeah, plenty plenty of of Ring Fit February content to come for sure. Um, <laughs> we will of course provide updates for you guys uh, over on Twitter and stuff, and you know. Keep it tuned to the Discord and stuff, and we'll we'll keep up, you know, with everything, and you, know, you guys can figure out how to how to follow along. Um, and I, I, yeah, I hope some of you will like take this up as well. Um, I know I always find it easier to make healthy habits when you're doing them with other people, and like it's less about um, you're tired after a long day, and it's like I don't feel like doing this today, but it's like, well, I don't want to let I don't want to let the group down, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think I think it does help to keep keep you honest and. Um, yeah. You know, I think especially with how everything is right now, everybody's stuck inside. Like we could all probably use a little bit of extra exercise. Uh, mm-hmm. Good for the mind, good for the body. Um, so uh, yeah, I hope you guys will join along and and follow us and um, support each other and uh, and make some healthy habits in 2021. So uh, Chewy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for pitching the idea. I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited to have had you back on the show and hopefully to get you back on throughout February uh, for our Ring Fit February event here. Um, Tell everybody where they can keep up with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, first off. Um, You guys can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Chewy Plays. Um, Chewy Plays Nintendo also. I'll pop up if you search any of those. I've been on Twitch a little bit more lately. Uh, But yeah, hopefully I'm going to be... Doing a lot more content pretty soon later this year. That's the plan. So pretty soon, I'll plan on being here more too. So should be cool. Glad to hear it. <laughs> all right. So uh, of course, you know, go to all do all the things I said earlier, right? Of course, you can follow us wherever you get your video game content. We are at Loot Pots. We are there. We are making something for you, and I hope you'll go check it out. Uh, if you want to come be a part of what we're doing over on Twitch, it's been a blast. Twitch.tv/LootPots every Thursday. Uh, keep it tuned, turn turn on notifications, or follow us on Twitter and turn on tweet notifications. We very rarely tweet. It's only ever when we're going live or when a new episode of this show is out. So if you're listening to this show, you already need to know when it comes out, and the Twitch stuff is fun, so go show up. Uh, of course, you know, a bunch of other places you can find us all across the web. We're at Loopots. You know, you'll find it. Uh, most importantly, the Patreon, patreon.com slash Loopots. If you want to go above and beyond and show your support to get a little bit of extra Loopots in your feed with After Dark, uh, that is the best way to do it. So go ahead over there. Give us a buck. Get access to over 70 hours of additional Loopots content and uh, and help us keep things rolling and growing and, and doing all kinds of new, fun, and crazy stuff. Uh, so yeah, I hope, I hope you've been well, hope you had a good week. We'll catch you next week for another episode of the podcast. Take it easy.